2: the fact that he calls his sons and daughters children and he refers to himself as father is an indication to us that he accepts us as family and it is evidence of the relationship that you are God's child whom he loves. It's a family relationship and he is disciplining us because he's treating us as his children. Now this gets a little difficult for some because some of you had a parent who didn't discipline you in a right way.
1: Discipline from God means that there's a change that needs to be made in your life. It's an important part of your relationship with Him. He corrects those He loves. And even if it's terrible in the moment, He's correcting you so you can be living right with Him again. It's always worth it in the long run. Today, Pastor Gary is going to show you how important it is to keep close to God in your walk with Him and to always obey when He says something. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: Four out of every five accidents, 80% are attributed to distracted drivers. So when we run the race, we're to keep our focus on Jesus and not to be distracted. Not to be distracted by all this other stuff. And it's easy to get distracted. You know, I think about how in Matthew chapter 14, there's that encounter when Jesus was walking on water. And it tells us that Peter asked Jesus as he saw him. They're all like amazed, like, whoa, check this out. Jesus is walking on water. Whoa. And so, and, but, and they're all like, wow, this is incredible. And then Peter's the only one who said, Lord, call me to come to you. I'm going to try that. And Jesus is like, well, get out of the boat and come to me. And so Peter starts walking on water. Now, a lot of people shame Peter and they say, you know, look at this dude, you know, he sank. Yeah. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 14, it's like verses 28 and 29, that it says that he actually did walk on water. He actually did. He did something that the other guys weren't willing to do. But in Matthew 14, verse 30, it says, but when he saw the wind, which is interesting because you can't really see wind, but it's just when he saw the wind, he began to sink, and he cried out to Jesus, Lord, save me. All right, but the idea is as long as he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on water. He was doing fine. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the wind, looked at the things that were coming against him, that's when he began to sink. I commend the guy that he was even able to get out of the boat and do something risky like that. Uh, but the fact is that when he stopped looking, looking at Jesus, that's when he got distracted and that's when, that's when he sank. It's important for us to stay focused on Jesus. He is the author of and the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. So he's the author of our faith. He is the one who has written the story of salvation. And he is the finisher of our faith. This is what Paul said in Philippians 1 6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will help us to finish. The one who got us saved will help us to finish the race so that we might enjoy the fullness of our salvation, because he is the author and finisher of our faith. But the exhortation here is, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. May he never be out of our focus. All right, now, between these two points of the writer of Hebrews saying, I want you to run freely. I want you to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then this part here about fixing your eyes on Jesus, in between those two things, is this idea of perseverance. And so that's where we get point number three, that we're also to run as faithfully as we can. Because there at the end of verse one, he says, and let us run with perseverance. Some of your translations say endurance. The race marked out for us. Nestled right in between here, throwing off everything that hinders and fixing our eyes on Jesus, we're told to run with perseverance or to run with endurance. There is this exhortation here about not giving up. If you've ever run track, you know how it is, and you start to get that runner's cramp in the side, and you have to keep pushing through, and you have to keep running the race with perseverance. In James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he, when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 9.24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? but only one gets the prize. He says, run in such a way as to get the prize. So there's a lot of imagery in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, about the Christian life and running the race and, you know, just finishing well and, and um, forgetting what is behind, you know, and fixing our eyes on Jesus. And we run for a greater crown, not for a laurel wreath that will fade away, but we run for the ultimate prize of our salvation. So there's a lot of imagery and symbolism in the New Testament about running a race, but what happens here is at this point in chapter 12, he shifts, and and he basically says to us, in the event you don't run as free or as focused or as faithfully as you should, God has a way of disciplining us to get us back on the track. And from verses 4 down through verse 13... The writer of Hebrews is going to use the word discipline 10 times in nine verses. 10 times. So I'm going to read verse 4 down through verse 13. You can underline them as we, as we read through the verses if you'd like. So verse 4, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Now, some of your translations say he chastises or he scourges everyone he accepts as a son. He spanks. That's the idea. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline... Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So again, here in that section between verses 4 and 13, the writer uses the word discipline 10 times to describe what God does in order to get us back on track if we ever were to get off track in in this running of the race. And so what I want to point out in these uh, verses here from 4 to 13 are four reasons why God tends to discipline us. What does it mean when God disciplines us? And one of the things we read here in chapter 12, and it's very important, is that it means that we're loved by God. Because he says specifically there in verse 6, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. He loves. And it is, by the way, for those of you who know the different words in the Greek for the word love, it is the word agapeo. He loves us with an everlasting love. God loves us with the purest and highest form of love. That's what agape love is. It doesn't mean that he he loves what we do, obviously, because there are things we do that grieve him, that offend him, that sadden him. But he always loves us. And he loves us so much that he demonstrated his love for us, this is what Romans 5.8 says, by dying on a cross. So supremely, God has demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then God continues to demonstrate his love for us and show us his love. And one of the forms of his love displayed is in his discipline of us. Is in his discipline of us. Now, it was true that even though you didn't believe it at the time, When your mom and dad said to you, I'm spanking you because I love you, and you're you're sitting there thinking, I don't buy it, you know, because if you really loved me, you wouldn't be spanking me right now. The fact is that it really is true that discipline is a form of love. It is a form of love. Correction, when God corrects us, he's doing it because we're getting off course. And so he wants to do a course correction with us, but he loves us. And so if you've been feeling it from time to time, the discipline of God in your life, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit, like what does that look like in a moment? Please take heart because it means he must love you. And some, yeah, some of you are like, praise God, because maybe he's really loving you, isn't he? I just really, but, you know, have you ever thought that? Like, oh man, I'm being disciplined, but God must really love me. Oh, he really loves you, for sure. That's the importance of understanding the, the basis of his discipline. God loves us, and there are times that God loves us enough to bring correction and discipline to us. We always love the comforting Jesus. We always love the the tender uh, Jesus. We always love the forgiving Jesus. We don't always like the disciplinary Jesus, but he loves us enough that he will at times discipline us and correct us when he sees us going astray. If he did nothing, I mean, think about this. For those of you who are parents, if you see your kid doing something that is harmful or wrong and you don't correct them, that is unloving. That is unloving. So if your father in heaven were never to do anything to correct you and me, that would actually be an indication that he's unloving. The fact that he corrects us, admonishes us, disciplines us is a sign that we are loved by God. Number two in this passage, what we read here, is that discipline means we are accepted as God's children. Just by counting the references, he talks about son or sons six times, and this isn't to leave the ladies out, it's sons, daughters, I mean, it's just children in general, right? He uses that word six times, Uh, he uses the word children once, and he uses a reference to father, be it earthly father or heavenly father, four times. And what he says there is that uh, in verses 4 to 6, he says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So it, it means that we are accepted as his sons or daughters. He's treating us like family. You don't discipline somebody else's kids. You discipline your own kids. I mean, there might have been times where you, wanted, you, know, you thought to yourself, you know, I'd love to discipline that child, you know, but it doesn't, that child doesn't belong to you. So you don't discipline somebody else's kids. You discipline your own kids. And the fact that he calls his sons and daughters, children, and he refers to himself as father is an indication to us that he accepts us as family, and it is evidence of the relationship that you are God's child whom he loves. It's a family relationship, and he is disciplining us because he's treating us as his children. Now, this gets a little difficult for some because some of you had a parent who didn't discipline you in a right way. So this kind of parallel is difficult for you because maybe you had a father who disciplined you in a very inappropriate way. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a household where your dad beat you. You grew up in a household where your, your mom or dad was a drunk and they, and they just, you know, beat you, assaulted you, harmed you, abused you in some way. And so this is not a perfect parallel because we don't have perfect earthly fathers or mothers. We have a perfect heavenly father. But in general, a good mom and a good dad disciplines kids in a loving, non-abusive way because it demonstrates love and it demonstrates family relationship here. The third thing that he tells us that's important to understand the the reason behind discipline is because it means we have something to learn. We have something to learn. The very word discipline... In the Greek language is the word paiduo, and it translates to teach, train, instruct, or educate. So the very word that is used here ten times, discipline, by definition, indicates that God wants us to learn something. And I can tell you in my own life that as much as I welcome the good times and the carefree times... It has been in the difficult times when God is often disciplining me that I've learned the most. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but He shouts to us in our pains. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world, End quote. And so sometimes we hear the Lord loudest and most clearly when he's disciplining us, that otherwise we don't learn. And so sometimes it means we simply have something to learn. Number four, the last point from this section, uh, discipline also means that we will become more holy and more fruitful. Because if you look at, at uh, verse 10, he says, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines for our good that we may share in his holiness, circle that word, holiness. And he says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So that's the second part, the idea of fruitfulness. And by the way, the word trained there in your Bibles is the Greek word gymnazo. We get our English word gymnasium. So there's a, there's a conditioning, there's a training that happens through discipline. When God disciplines us, one of the things that it accomplishes for us is it makes us more like Him. It makes us more holy. We become more holy and we become more fruitful because if we surrender to His discipline, if we yield to it, then the effect of it has, a, a, not only does it produce holiness, but it also causes us to be more fruitful. We take on more of the characteristics of the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident in our lives when we willingly submit to the discipline of God. And so, He does these things in our lives for these reasons. Because it tells us that we're loved by God. It means that we are accepted by God as as His children. It means that we have something to learn. And it means that we will become more holy and more fruitful. But now, before we pray, and, and leave for the night, I want to make this point, okay? God's discipline is His response to our disobedience. Not every tragedy, difficulty, or trial is necessarily God's discipline. And I just want to take time to make this point before we're dismissed, because I don't want anybody leaving here thinking that every trial and every difficulty And every disaster and every crisis that's happened in your life must be because God's spanking you. There is this unfortunate attachment that some people have made to every trial that they've endured must mean that they're, they're being punished by God. And I have heard over the years of ministry just people who have made that direct connection on every single trial and tribulation that they have faced. And so people, you know, legitimately have come to me with tremendous heartache and burden. You know, my saying to me things like my mom died suddenly. I think God's punishing me. My child was born with a disease. I think God's punishing me. You know, all kinds of things that people will say because they think that What it means is God is disciplining you and punishing you through that. Now listen, I'm not the inspector of every trial and tribulation to tell you what is of the Lord and what is not. But I I just want to carefully balance the teaching by making sure that everybody understands that not every trial and tribulation is necessarily God's discipline. When you look at His discipline it is in connection with our disobedience there are plenty of times i've known oh this is discipline because i've known that it that it followed disobedience but then there are tragedies and things that happen in people's lives and it has nothing to do with your disobedience it just happens to be that we live in a, a messed up fallen world and terrible tragic things happen in the course of a lifetime that is very unfortunate and, and this is one reason, in part, that God wants to rescue us from such a fallen world to eventually take us to a place where there is no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more death, no more disorder of any kind. All right. And in the meantime, we live out our lives and we endure and we press on and we persevere so that we don't grow weary. We run the race and, and, we, and we fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay. That's the whole idea. If, if, if it was a cakewalk, there would be no need to exhort us. The reason why we're being exhorted in chapter 12 is because life can be difficult, but don't look at every difficulty and think it's God's punishment. His discipline accompanies our disobedience, and there are some things that have nothing to do, that, that are tragic in our lives, that has nothing to do with disobedience. So if, if you want to look at, at discipline in response to disobedience, look at different stories in the Bible. Look at like Jonah, for example. Jonah, God says to Jonah, I want you to go preach to, pre- to the Ninevites. They, they need to hear about my forgiveness and who I am. And Jonah's like, I don't like the Ninevites. And so thank you very much. And he gets on a boat, and he heads in the opposite direction towards Tarshish. In other words, towards like Spain. He's trying to run away from Nineveh. Nineveh's in, in Iraq. So he's running away in the opposite direction. And when God brings this storm along at sea, and, and those in the boat think, you know, oh wow, we just need to... And Jonah says to the guys in the boat, listen, the reason why we're in a storm right now is because I'm running from God. You best just throw me overboard. Jonah knows. And so they throw him overboard, and a great fish comes along, swallows him up. Many of you know the story. That's discipline. That's discipline. When the Jewish people, like we've been studying on Sunday mornings continue to rebel against God and worship idols and engage in sin and disregard God. And God warned them time and time and time again, if you don't, if you don't turn to me, I'm going to send the Babylonians. They're going to come. They're going to ransack this place. They're going to take you as captives and they're going to make you slaves for 70 years. That's discipline. Those are the things that God does to correct us because we're disobeying him. You know, when Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter five lied to God, about an offering that they had presented that wasn't really true. God killed them. That's discipline, all right? Because they lied to God, all right? But don't look at every tragic thing that's happened in your life and think, that must be God punishing me, or that must be God disciplining me. Because unless you can see a correlation between discipline and disobedience on your part then it's best that you simply give those trials and tribulations to the Lord and ask Him to help you to run the race with perseverance because it may not, in fact, be His discipline. It may just, in fact, be the world in which we live. I wanted to make that clear because I don't want anybody to leave here feeling this guilt over stuff in their lives and tragedies. And I I sadly hear this from time to time. This happened and that happened because God punished me. God disciplines those whom He loves. Punishes is the word in the NIV, but actually it's better in, in, the, in the ESV where it talks about um, chastises. And, uh, and New King James uses the word um, scourges, because God will spank us to discipline us. But he doesn't punish. The punishment intended for us was placed on Christ on the cross. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Punishment is not something that God does now. Discipline is what He does. The punishment was already paid for by Christ on the cross. So let's give thanks to the Lord our God, who disciplines us from time to time because He loves us. He treats us as children. He accepts us in His family. We have something to learn, right? This is the work of God's Spirit in disciplining us.
1: Find the cornerstones, your connection, towards your new life. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Hebrews again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through the Bible teachings, just visit our website cornerstoneconnection.cc or download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link at our website along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area come visit us. You'll find service times and more information at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd love to know how God is leading you and changing your heart. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners and we feel honored to be able to pray for your requests. Give us a call at 703-771-1500. That number again, 703-771-1500. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker in your Bible where we left off in Hebrews and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. Do you know?